Uh, scripture this morning will be from 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verses 12 through 7, uh, reading from the ESV version. Again, 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17, and hopefully you have that to follow along in your bulletin. It says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Will you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, we thank you um, again that we can assemble as a body of believers and sing uh, praises to you and come to you in, in prayer um, and, and the message that's coming forth. And uh, we just, we thank you that we have this freedom, Father. We know that there are so many that, that fight for that freedom and, and have to do it in ways that we don't. But we, we thank you for this opportunity. Um, and we thank you that, that we, we have these songs and words that we can sing to you um, to lift you up and to praise you because you're so worthy of all of, all of this glory, the names that you're given. Um, you, you are the one true and only God. There's so many things trying to steal our attention or, or be a replacement for you, but there is no replacement for you. You are, you are I am. You are the one. And Father, we know that because of who you are, because of the mercy that, that were shown here, that you showed Paul. Father, we're, we are in need of that same grace. Even though he calls himself the worst of sinners, Father, we're all guilty of doing the same things that he has. We've spoke against you. We've turned our back from you, Father, but you continued to, to run after us as we, as we just sang. You run after us. And chase us down, just like the Father did his son when he was coming back. Father, you welcome us with open arms. And Father, we're so thankful that there's going to be those today that you're welcoming into your arms with this acceptance of baptism later today. We know that you're, you're gaining new sons and daughters into the family today. And we thank you for that. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice. And it's in his heavenly name we pray all this. Amen. So glad to have you all with us. Uh, last week we saw that the law of God, God's commands, are good. But if we measure ourselves against God's law, His laws show us to be sinners. The law condemns us. And if Christianity were only God's laws, we all would be hopeless and miserable stewing in our guilt before God. The law cannot remove our sins or free us from sinning, but Christ can do both. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners from their sins. Paul said, I was the worst sinner of all, but even I found mercy. 
His grace overflowed for me. I am proof that all who believe in Christ will find mercy and grace in abundance, just as I did. Christianity is like being in the worst possible disaster and then having someone step in and rescue you. It is like finding out you're going to hell, then being lifted up to heaven. It is finding that you have broken God's law and facing severe penalties for it, then having God show you mercy and set you free. It is finding out that you are a lost sinner and then finding out that Christ came into the world to save lost sinners. And what Christ does for you, what, what Christ does for us is deeply personal. It is deeply moving. God showed us love and grace and kindness like we never find out in the world. God pulled us out of our impending doom and showered us with his mercy and grace. And so we overflow with gratitude and praise and we say like Paul at the end of this section of scripture, all honor and glory be to God. And once we get a grasp of what he has really done for us and once we get a grasp of the kind of mercy and grace that has really abounded toward us, then that's going to be our theme song for all the rest of life. All honor and glory and praise be to God. Now, of course, you will not hear this kind of message about salvation from the world. The world says the universe just happened. We are just highly evolved animals. There is no absolute moral standard, especially in the area of our sexuality. There is no God to tell us right and wrong. No God to hold us accountable. No God who will judge us. We make our own rules based on the current popular social ideas. We don't need God to tell us what to do. We don't need God to rescue us from judgment. We are not in any kind of danger from God for our sin. Or even if there is a God, he only loves and wants us happy and is not upset in the least over however we choose to live. He wouldn't condemn anyone or hurt anyone. But the Bible tells us that we are in grave danger. We are on the brink of eternal death. And in the most desperate way imaginable, we need someone to step in and save us. God created us to be a part of his family. His original attention is the original creation. He made man, man and women, Adam and Eve. He made us to be a part of his family, to enjoy him and to enjoy all that he has created. But you know the story. The first man and woman acted against God's command. And so we lost that perfect pleasure and happiness and communion with God that we had in the beginning. And so we presently experience evil and conflict and misery. We, we have a deep sense that things are not as they should be or as we want them to be. And all of that comes from our sin and separation from God. And we live in, in the pain or the experience of that to some degree every day. But our sin also 
brought us into serious trouble with God, our maker. Without Christ, we are in trouble with God. We became a race of people under condemnation or under judgment. In the most ultimate way, human beings are headed for destruction. And without understanding that this is our status before God, this passage that Tim just read will make no sense to you. Without understanding that this is our status before God, salvation is just a religious word. It doesn't make any sense or it doesn't seem wonderful at all. But if we understand that the misery we experience and the peril our sin has put us in, then here is the best announcement in all of history. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. J.I. Packer, whom I've quoted before, said this, salvation always means being rescued from jeopardy and misery so that one is now safe. Jesus saves us from the horrible effects of sinning and from the penalty for sinning so that we are safe. We are safe with God. We live now under the smile of God. Our future is full of hope, not condemnation. God is for us in and through the mercy and salvation of Christ. Uh, many churches today deliberately do not use the word sin or sinners uh, because they don't want to offend people. They don't want to push people away from the church because they're really concerned about numbers and all of that. But this only withholds the true diagnosis of what is wrong with us. And it keeps people from finding true healing and salvation in Christ. Paul openly calls himself the foremost or chief of sinners. He said that he was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor of Christians, an insolent opponent or violent aggressor. He felt that his sins were worse because he was responsible for the death, imprisonment, and suffering of Christians. This was not some kind of false humility. He genuinely felt that him, his sins made him a worse sinner than others. Which raises the question, aren't we all equally sinners? Yes and no. All sin makes us guilty before a holy God. In that sense, all sin is equal, all sinners are equal. All sinners are guilty before a holy God. There is not one righteous, there is no one righteous, not even one. Uh, however small some sins might seem, all sin has put every single person in desperate need of a Savior. Outwardly, you might be the nicest person in Ankeny or wherever you live, but you're still lost and going to hell without Christ. All sinners share that common ground. And yet some sins are more detestable than others, and I think this is important to address today. Spurgeon said, all men are truly sinners, but all men are not equally sinners. They are all in the mire, but they have not all sunk to an equal depth in it. 
It's become very popular today, even in Christian circles, to say all sins are equal in order to minimize how detestable homosexuality and other sexual sins are or to appear not to be judgmental toward those sins. But some sins are worse. And Paul felt his sins were worse. The Lord said, the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great and their sin is exceedingly grave. Jesus told Pilate, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Paul ranks his own sin as worse. And actually, this is at the very heart of Paul's argument. My sins were worse. I was worse than most everyone else. So if Christ saved me, he can save you too, no matter what you have done. Paul's salvation was God's demonstration for all sinners, for all sinners of Christ's willingness to save anyone no matter how deep their sin or how much they have sinned, no matter what kind of sin. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul lists off the, the sexually immoral, the idolaters, adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, thieves, the greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers. And then he says to the Corinthians, and such were some of you. But you were washed, justified, sanctified in the name of Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Forgiveness and the mercy of Jesus is not dependent upon how many sins we've committed or how deep or dark they are. His mercy covers all sin no matter how detestable. Christ did not come into the world to save only the better people or what we might think of as the better people. Christ came into the world to save people who have done really bad things. However, you do not have to be a thief or a drug addict or commit gross sexual sin in order to need salvation or in order to be saved. Uh, you may hear someone give a powerful testimony of their terrible, dark, sinful past and how Christ saved them and you think, I wish I had a testimony like that. No, you don't. Sin is terrible. And Christ creates his own testimonies. He created Paul's testimony by choosing the chief of sinners. Christ creates your testimony by whatever kind of sinner you were. You were all sinners, but Christ creates his own testimony with each one of us. Believe me, your sins and my sins are bad enough just as they are to appreciate his mercy. Corey Tenboom tells a touching story in her book, which I just read, Tramp for the Lord. Corey's aunt opened her home to Dutch soldiers during World War I, invited soldiers into the home, and they would sing for them and entertain them. And one night when Corey was just an 11-year-old girl, she sang a song for these soldiers. And the song was about 
the shepherd who goes after the lost sheep until he finds it and brings it home. And then very dramatically, Corey said, she sang the last line of the song, which was this. And that sheep that went astray was me. Well, after she finished, finished singing, she said a big blonde Dutch officer picked her up and sat her on his knee, and he said, tell me, little girl, how did you go astray? And all the soldiers laughed, and Corey said her face turned red with embarrassment, but she said, I told him that as a little girl, just five years old, I had given my heart to Jesus. And honestly, I could never remember not belonging to him. That soldier grew very serious and his eyes filled with tears, Corey said. And he, he said, Ah, that is the way it should be, my little sweet face. How much better to come to Jesus as a child than to stumble in sin as I have. But tonight, I think I shall stop seeking and let him, let the shepherd, find me instead. And she, Corey said that was the first time that God used her, the Holy Spirit used her to lead anyone to Christ. And my point is this, some are genuinely saved at a young age and by the mercy of Christ, kept from a life of deep sin. We're all sinners, okay? And don't, please don't misunderstand this. But some are saved by the mercy of God and kept from a life of deep sin and many of the dark things of Satan that others unfortunately suffer and get into. And that is what we should desire and pray for for our children, shouldn't we? That is what God desires, I believe, and praise God, that happens a lot. But then, of course, if everyone was saved like that, we might think Christ only has the patience to save little children or people who have never lived in, in open sin and rebellion. And that's not true. Christ himself destroys that thinking by saving Paul. But I think, who, who, who is put forth an example. Paul didn't make himself an example. Christ made him an example of his mercy. But I do think that most of us, even if we are saved young um, and maybe protected from some kinds of sin, I think most of us at some time question if Christ really wants us or could love us or could really forgive us for the shameful things we have thought and done. And as we grow in our understanding of the holiness of God, we become more aware of the sinfulness of our sins. And we may think at times in seasons, uh, the sat Satan may work in our heart and conscience and oppress us and think that we are beyond the grace and mercy and forgiveness of Christ. And of course, those who have lived in hardcore sin might think, I I'm too far gone or I've fallen too many times or, or Christ surely doesn't want me or can't save me. For all of us, a, a mental flashback to old sins can leave us feeling condemned or questioning our forgiveness. And Paul says, no, I am proof that Christ's saving mercy is sufficient for you 
and your sin, no matter what it is. Christ made me an example, Paul said, to all who would believe in him for eternal life. Paul was stunned at God's mercy to save him. But you know what? Paul was also stunned at his mercy to put him into service. Christ not only saves sinners, he puts sinners into his service. Uh, No matter your past, Christ will put you to work for him. Praise God. Uh, All of us can be overwhelmed by our failures and our unworthiness and our sins, our past sins. But Paul is proof that none of us have sunk so low or so far in sin that God cannot put us into his service and use your life for his glory. And actually, this is how the passage begins. This is really the the thrust of the passage as Paul opens up. He said, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. Spurgeon said, the Lord did not therefore say, he's talking about the Lord speaking to Paul, the Lord did not therefore say, I save you, Paul, but I shall always remember your wickedness to your disadvantage. Not so. He counted Paul faithful, putting him into the ministry and into the apostleship. And then Spurgeon concludes by saying, brother or sister, there is no reason why if you have gone very far in sin, you should not go equally far in usefulness. So to Paul, to serve Christ was an astounding mercy of God. It was about or regarding Christ putting him into service that he said, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. It is mercy that you and I get to serve Jesus. It is grace more than abundant that we get to serve the King of Kings. In his mercy, Jesus gives us something to do. He gives us something to do that matters. We can be useful to God and to his work. Paul was not only shown mercy in order to stop blaspheming or to change some of the bad things he had been doing. He was shown mercy to to do something for Christ, to, to be put into service. And you and I are not only shown mercy to, to help us get rid of a destructive habit um, or overcome some uh, habit or addiction or, to, or even to just be a better person or husband or wife or whatever. Yes, that certainly. But you are saved to serve Christ. You are in his service. Book of Revelation said his servants will serve him day and night. That's in the new heavens and the new earth. So we're, I mean, we're called to be his servants day and night now, and we're going to be his servants day and night forever and ever in the new heavens and the new earth. You're called to be his servant wherever you are, whoever you are with. And you are his ser- servant. He has put you into his service by his mercy 
And that's something you should always praise and thank him for. Paul points us to uh, two vitally important ingredients to this service or serving Christ. And one is strength, the other is faithfulness. Verse 12, I thank him who has given me strength or power, Christ Jesus our Lord. The only way that you and I can serve Christ effectively at all is to be strengthened or empowered by Christ in your heart. It takes power to love people. It takes power to pour out your life for people. It takes power to speak, to teach, to help, to encourage, to cook for people, to persevere faithful in any kind of work that Christ calls you to. It takes the strength, the strengthening, the empowerment that comes from Christ. And I have noticed over the years that those who have a deep interest in serving Christ also have a deep desire to know the power of Christ. And if you serve Jesus, if you want to serve Jesus, you will be so thankful that there is power available in Christ to work and serve him. And I would say for those who are going to be baptized this morning, not only does the mercy of Christ wash your sins away, Christ gives you power to serve him. And for all those, especially those who are going to be baptized this morning, may the power of Christ, may the power of his spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit be upon you and strengthen you and equip you to serve Jesus from this day forward in a, in a, in a way that you've not known before. The second ingredient is faithfulness. And, you know, we might leave this out of this passage and just kind of focus strictly on the, the mercy. Verse 12 says, I thank him because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Uh, to be faithful is to be reliable, steadfast, loyal, and true. Christ does his work through faithful people. It is a fact. Some of the men are studying Nehemiah. We haven't got to chapter 7 yet, but when we do, it says when Nehemiah had to leave the work at Jerusalem and go back to Persia, it says he put two men in charge of the work while he was gone. And it says he chose them because they were more faithful and God-fearing than many, Nehemiah 7.2. Now, does this mean that Paul deserved for Christ to put him into service? No. He just admitted that he was a terrible person, chief of sinners, a blasphemer, a persecutor. It was God's mercy that Paul was used by Christ at all. But it does also say that Christ put him into service because he judged him or considered or counted him faithful. So was it God's mercy or Paul's faithfulness? Yes. Both. Faithfulness matters. But the focus, the emphasis by far and away goes to God's mercy. Without God's mercy, without Christ first strengthening us in our inner person through his spirit, we could do nothing. So with Paul we say, what kind of mercy is this that Christ would save me and that he would put me into his service 
And all I can say is thank you. All I can do is say thank you, Jesus Christ, for strengthening me, for showing me mercy, for saving me, and putting me into your work. And so Paul ends this passage with this outburst of praise to God. He says, to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul understood what it means to be shown mercy. And when you come to understand that you have been shown mercy, that will be the song of your heart. When someone saves you, you want to honor them for it. When someone shows you mercy, you love them for it. You want to sing their praises. What we have, what we have is the farthest thing from a cold, unemotional, dead, impersonal religion. We are touched to the core by the mercy and kindness of God toward us. And our hearts overflow as a response because we understand that our hearts overflow with love and gratitude and praise. And all we can say is, to God be the glory and the honor forever and ever because of his mercy toward me, a sinner. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and to put sinners into his service. Do you know that kind of salvation this morning? I hope you do. If you do not, uh, come to Christ this morning and believe in him, as Paul said, for eternal life today. Christ came into the world to save sinners. He came into the world to save people like you and me. And just tell him this morning that you are one of those sinners that he came to save. That you are one of those sinners and you want to be saved. And you want Jesus to put you in to his service and by his mercy by his mercy he will do that if you come to him Jesus says I will never turn away anyone who comes to me let's pray father we uh, we thank you for your mercy uh, and grace and kindness in saving us